the American dream has become a nightmare. Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town. Like a cancer that's silently spreading, there's an unspoken fear. We're on our way down. We must take America back. Main Street to Wall Street, cities and states, Washington. Broadcasting Network on the last day of the year, the 31st day of December in the year of 2023. And uh, I know you folks are looking around at yourselves going, oh, oh what, what time is it? Uh, yeah, something, something's going on here. Well, folks, just wanted to let you know that Steve Elkins, who is normally uh, takes this slot, was not feeling well this evening. And so uh, there has been a little bit of the juggling, but we're going to try to stay on point. But Mr. Elkins will be back next week. Let's all uh, pray for his better health. And folks, the one thing that we want to make sure that we do as we're closing out this year is make sure we get the support out there for Republic Broadcasting Network. And uh, let's get whatever needs to be done to get... uh, the words and the knowledge of some of the people who, uh, as a matter of fact, are on my panel tonight. And uh, for this, would our normal program would be, you know, the rebel and the renegades. And uh, let me introduce you to my renegade friends. And uh, one of them would be none other than the well-known RBN host, Richard Carey. Richard, sir, how are you today? Hello. I'm good. Uh, thanks for asking, and I hope you're doing well, Mike, and Happy New Year, sir. Well, a Happy New Year to you as well, sir, and uh, I, I don't know how, how you get time to do anything as busy as you are with all the stuff you got going on, but uh, certainly certainly appreciate all the efforts for everything you do and all of the uh, truth you try to bring to the listeners at RBN. So um, then let me jump down here to none other then that crazy guy, ah, I shouldn't say that, uh, Wendy will get upset at me, uh, Stephen Douglas Whitener, uh, you know, the truth, the truth warrior. How are you, buddy? Howdy, Mike. Thanks very much for having me. Both you guys do a lot of work, too, Mike. You barely mentioned that michaelgaddy.substack.com, but I read that. And as uh, you should uh, mention it more, folks, if you want to learn the actual history of uh, this "quote unquote" country, that that's where I'm I'm learning it there. And, and both of you guys put in a lot of work. I appreciate you including me in this, and I learned from both of you guys. Thanks, and happy New Year, everybody! And RBN, happy New Year! I really appreciate all the listeners at RBN and Mr. Stad Miller's neighborhood. I'm proud and honored to be here. Thanks. Oh, well, thank you, buddy. And give uh, Miss Wendy a big hug and tell her to pretend it's me. 
no comment. What's going on with you? All right. Uh, oh, I, I just did that, brother. Yep. I just said, here's a big hug, Wendy. <laughs> Mike said it's from him. <laughs> All right. Well, happy, you know, Wendy said happy new year. Go ahead. Happy new year to that beautiful lady as well. And, uh, Here's the uh, the thing I kind of wanted to get into, and I'm glad I've got you gentlemen with me tonight. Uh, I, I know Scorpio's got uh, all kind of things to do, and he had planned to join us and may be with us anyway. We're not we're not exactly sure, but uh, we've got some time zone difference there, and he's trying to work his way through that as best could be done. But here's a question I got, and one of the things I learned, having actually been in the belly of this beast uh, from time to time, uh, and that is that they plan well in advance for what they're doing. I mean, I'm not talking about next week. I'm talking about way down the road. These plans are made far in advance. And as I look at the situation we're in today, and what I like to do lately, I've been going back to a gentleman who published a book in 1866, shortly after the war. And I've been looking at some of the patterns he was talking about that he saw during his time frame. And I've been looking at other patterns because there's some things here, Richard, that bother me and to a great detail. And here's the question I'm going to throw at both of you gentlemen and uh, really looking forward to your response. Uh, Richard, what do you think would happen in America tomorrow or let's go to Tuesday, since a business day, and suddenly there was a special message from the president on TV, and suddenly the president warned the American public that the Federal Reserve was calling in their loans because no longer could America even pay the interest on these loans. What, what do you see the reaction being, Richard? Well, I, I suppose a lot of people would have more questions you know, about the nature of the fiat currency, the, the loans, the debt, the nature of the Federal Reserve and its relationship to the federal government. And so, yeah, I know I think it would raise more questions than than answers for uh, people, uh, but certainly a lot of them would be distressed by the uh, gravity uh, of the tone. I'm sure the message would be presented, and it is kind of ridiculous, though, uh, when you put it in those terms, to think that the people could repay this debt. First of all, that they didn't take out, and that money um, doesn't even exist uh, with which to fulfill all of it in the interest that you know it. Um, you know, there's interest which hasn't been uh, created, you know, in the money supply, uh, which would even be able to, even if we were to give every last penny we had uh, for that matter. But it, it's just the idea that the government takes out the loan and we are responsible for it. That in general, whether it's to a private entity or to the government itself, neither way should be just is 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 the way I suppose I would respond. But Certainly, most people would have a lot of questions. All right. Uh, excellent response there, Richard. Uh, Stephen, uh, what do you think the response would be across the country? Well, that would de- 
well, probably bewilderment at first, but then shock after they explained what it meant to, quote-unquote, call in the loan. I mean, like you said, there's no way it'll ever be repaid. So how exactly would that come about is what I would like to know. That That's – what would they do? Well, do you think they might have laid plans for that at some Probably point in time? Probably so. I'm sure they have. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, there's there's some things that set me to thinking here as I look at it. And I look at number one is – all of these people who run out there and flapping around about, oh, the 14th Amendment, I'm going to change my status to this, the 14th Amendment this, the 14th Amendment that. How many people are aware that the 14th Amendment was never, ever properly ratified, but the government declared it ratified, and the people of this country have just gone along with it? No one has said, hey, that was never ratified. Oh, 16th was never ratified. Oh, 17th was never ratified. Oh, doggone the luck. Well, hey, you know, well, uh, there's a bowl game on tomorrow. Who cares? But how many people are aware that in 1987, in Estes Park, Colorado, there was a huge meeting. Now, this meeting was designed around protecting the animals. How sweet. Oh, we're going to protect the wild animals. Here's all of this stuff. But while all of these environmentalists were meeting... There was a group of bankers meeting at the same time, including an actual member of the Rothschild family. Now, James Baker was the representative from the American government and gave the keynote address. And then there was also uh, Strong, you know, I believe was from Canada. And we had these people there. And during that process, they came out with what was known as the World Conservancy Bank. Now, stop and think ahead. Here's what the World Conservancy Bank did. Was Rothschild, Strong, and others, including Jim Baker, said, well, we can't allow the Federal Reserve to keep loaning money out to foreign countries that will never repay them. They, if they, once they can't repay the interest, then it's time And so we'll create this World Conservancy Bank, and we'll start our work in Brazil, and we will start seizing land as collateral for these loans. Well, I noticed that shortly after that, late 80s, early 90s, was that in many of the major national parks in America, especially out west, one would find a plaque stating that that park no longer belonged to, I'm sorry, that that letter, that that land no longer belonged to the people. This land belonged to a uh, organization called, you know, the uh, Worldwide environmental organization funded by you know who would we say (laughs) funded by yeah you got it here was the entire big operation so what and what's going to happen if this president comes out be it biden or whoever and comes out and says well the federal reserve has foreclosed on their loan because we can no longer pay interest So we're going to have to 
mortgage our lands. Now, your lands belong to us anyway, because if you don't pay a property tax, they belong to us. So in essence, they're ours to use as collateral for this loan. Uh, Your thoughts, Richard, to this point? Well, yes, no, this seems to confirm uh, similar information I've heard going back many years ago on talk radio of all of these uh, supposedly for uh, natural preservation uh, reserve parks, these uh, natural uh, off-limits forestry uh, lands were, I heard it described as, well, that they're collateral for loans to various uh, entities and or nations. And so, yes, I mean, this seems to confirm that that wasn't uh, just a rumor, that, that that was true. And so it didn't ha- it didn't really get going then until like the 80s to 90s, you're saying, because in the 90s, you say, is when you started seeing these, these uh, additional signs put up, Mr. Getty. Yes, and uh, even at a couple of, uh, there was a national park, a Mesa Verde, which was, uh, you know, within eyesight of our home. And I used to ride my motorcycle over there quite a bit. And when I first saw that plaque, I called uh, for a member of the, uh, you know, uh, park service to come out and explain that. I said, Here, here's a plaque right here that says this property no longer belongs to us anymore. Where did the legal proceedings take place for that? And they said, oh, we can't talk about that. Turned around walked off. Stephen, your thoughts? Um, I was thinking how Maury Strong was involved in the whole green agenda being formed. Isn't that the same guy from Canada? Yes. That was part of all that? Yes. It's been that way from the beginning, and now it ties in with what they wanted to do with these carbon credits. And John Perkins outlined the process of going raiding these countries uh, until they could no longer pay the interest on the debt and then coming in and taking the uh, resources all around the world. When he, that that uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman, it was the mm-hmm. World Bank and the IMF that were doing it then. But there's you know the same thing they're doing to us now with this, this, this bank, it seems like, that they were doing in his uh, uh, career. Absolutely. Well, it's it's been an ongoing thing. That's the thing, uh, and, and a great ad there, uh, Stephen. That's exactly what's going on uh, with the entire process. And uh, we, I see we've got our friend uh, uh, Scorpio with us. Uh, oh, he just left again? Oh, well, we'll shoot him when we see him. No problem. Uh, so, uh Here's, here's a couple of other things that really trouble me, gentlemen, to a great extent. And this goes right along with the same type, you know, same type of message. Is, did, are you gentlemen aware that annually, by federal requirement, the federal government publishes a balance sheet? Is anyone aware of that? I heard, I'm not with the details, but uh, it seems like the last time I heard this mentioned was in relation to student loans being the biggest um, asset that they had listed on that balance sheet presently. Well, uh, or am I all full of it? No, no, no. You hit, you hit, uh, you hit the right between the horns again. Where's all that noise coming from? Is that you, Scorp? 
Oh, well, anyway. Yeah, sorry about that. I'm here. Okay. All right, buddy. Uh, uh, let me know when you're ready to chime in here. We're going through some particulars that have happened. Uh, the third thing, you know, that Stephen just brought up again is exactly right. Now, there's this gentleman that I've uh, kind of kept uh, touch with for years named Simon Black. And Simon's been all over these. You know, he's he's not a he's apolitical, uh, which I like. And uh, so I remember the year of 2019. And, of course, you know, no one had heard about COVID at that time. Some of us had. Some of us had even predicted the pandemic coming. And let's not forget that none other than, you know, Mr. Ouchie, <laughs> Mr. Fauci had actually said that there would be a pandemic in 20. He made the statement in 2017. Imagine that. So they laugh about being able to tell Americans what they're going to do and then doing it. And Americans still don't catch on to what's happening. But anyway, in that spreadsheet in 1999, the number one asset of the American government was not military bases, military equipment or property. The number one asset was student loans. That was the government's number one asset in 1999. As soon as Biden took over as president, I never used the word he won an election, but when he took over as president, what was one of the first things he started advocating for? The loss of let's do away with student loans. Let's forgive them all. So here's the president of the United States making a simple statement. Let's give away our number one asset. So then three, four years later, if the federal government says, oh, well, sorry, but the Federal Reserve has foreclosed on all of this money, this national debt, and we're going to have to pay them. And guess what? We don't have the student loans as our money basis as our primary money basis anymore so we're going to have to give away property to settle this loan now does anyone think for a minute that the this territory of the united states is worth what 30 some trillion bucks richard your thoughts Well, I mean, uh, as far as putting a, a value to some uh, land that's people's traditional land uh, for well, what they've considered their their nation going, it depends on how far back, even earlier or more recent immigrants, though, would certainly say that there's no price tag. You know, uh, others, on the other hand, especially a lot of these uh, recent uh, newcomers here for incentive-driven uh, uh, and political-driven uh, sort of migration would really take it or leave it if it weren't for the, uh, you know, the guaranteed uh, benefits and what have you. I, I mean, I, I don't know anything about these ledgers you speak of, uh, of the Federal Reserve, but, you know, the whole idea of what that suddenly large amounts of the land would belong to private entities permanently, and in the future the United States would become a much smaller land mass. Is, is that what you're suggesting could happen, Mike?
Yeah. Did, 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 did you did you drop off, Mike? Well, I don't think so. Is it okay? Oh, there you go. Oh, there you are. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Sorry about that, folks. Didn't know we hit a, a bare spot there. But uh, for Richard, you know, Richard made some classic comments there, uh, and uh, they are exactly true. Uh, let's see. I don't see Scorp with us anymore. Uh, Stephen, you want to comment, sir? Well, already what's called federal land, you know, who does that belong to anyway? They they seized that back when was that back in 1903 when they created all those parks and that made that the property of the federal government. Now, is that the land you're talking about or is it going to be our private homes and property that we have to give up to pay these loans? I'm sure there are plans in place that not only provide for our property to pay them off but for to give us up for it too as well i i I don't know exactly what the document was but i saw where uh, it was guaranteed by the people in this the the, the united states as well i'm not sure it was the federal reserve though that that had this guarantee but that just sent chills up when i read it and I, i don't remember where it was now that's i wish i could bring that one up for you because that that uh, says all kind of like the NDAA does that gives the president such sweeping power to confiscate whatever he wants right. and put it to use however he wants in, quote, unquote, a national emergency, round you up and put you on the chain gang if he has to. Mm-hmm. That, that document gives them that much power already, so I'm not surprised. Mm. Yes, that uh, that is uh – very adept there too and uh let's throw in another factor here that really bothered me going back to the 1999 2000 was a special senate committee was put together to examine the possibilities of they don't want they want to be careful about the word they use confiscating seizing probably won't be used but they were figuring out a way to take control of the IRAs and 401ks in this country, which ironically, gentlemen, almost hit the mark of 30 trillion bucks. And the plan was made within the Senate to uh, let the people know that it was being put into a Social Security program, and that Social Security program would be used as collateral against the national debt. Now, you know, and then suddenly the committee goes away. Most of the senators who were on that committee didn't even run for office in 2000. That, to me, was telling as well. So, uh, Stephen, you want to go first and comment on that, please, sir? Well, did they adopt that plan before they left the Senate, or was it just proposed? How would we know? Yeah. You I'll know, is it, it back to you? That's the question. I Yeah. Yeah, has it been stashed away for future use? Uh, you know, because here it is, the wording's all done, it's all prepared. Is it just ready for implementation, waiting on the right moment? Uh, Scorpio, you with us? Well, what the, are two, you, the two amounts are, are convenient, a convenient coincidence for the right moment, too, as you pointed out. Sorry, go ahead, sir. Oh, very much so. Go ahead, David. Uh, yes, Mike. Uh, wasn't uh, the national park sold off to the United Nations back in the, in the like the nineteen nineties? Not sold. They were actually transferred under the World Conservancy Bank. 
So, so no money was given to the United States for that. No, there was uh, nothing was seen as far as an actual cash exchange, and suddenly you started seeing this uh, World Conservancy organization just start putting up these plaques, you know, at Yosemite, at uh, you know, different places, different these parks, huge parks, Grand Canyon, uh, Mesa Verde, all of these huge parks out there suddenly had these signs up and says it now belongs to the uh, Conservancy Institute, whatever the name was. Yeah, and I'll say this, going to one of the natural parks is quite expensive now. It's no cheap uh, affair to go to those these days. Well, if I if uh, I owned it and you were showing up, I'd charge you a lot of money, too. Yeah. Your thoughts, Richard? Well, I guess Richard's well, busy. I, there he yeah, is. No, there I, he is. I, I don't really know um, what more I could contribute to uh, you know, what you were just bringing up. But, I mean, it, it certainly is just another example of, again, how uh, people uh, make decisions for us who are not uh, representing our interests, who are not elected by us. Uh, same old story uh, as you lay out, you know, going back to the foundations of the country. And, uh, I mean... Just the whole idea of, you know, just this land being able to be sold off to the United Nations. And what does that represent? It represents, I suppose, the, uh, you know, the wealthiest uh, banking individuals, uh, stakes. I mean, it's not like these people from our government who signed it over to them, you know, had the right to do that or that it was theirs to begin with, we could just say that it's all null and void, you know, and that, no, it still belongs to us. But, you know, that would take us to actually, you know, put some, you know, action to our words, you know, to push off the, uh, you know, the current illegitimate uh, government leaders, Mike. But, I mean, there's no reason for us to accept that any of this is legitimate uh, as far as, yeah, the you know the land not still belonging to us. You know, the the, the traditional uh, heritage stock of United States. Well, let's stop and think about something, Richard. Uh, according to the Supremacy Clause and Article Two, Section Two of the Constitution, taken jointly, which would mean that the president could call in two or three senators of his choice, and they could make a treaty with the United Nations. And just say, okay, here's the treaty. Uh, here's what we're going to have to pay. Here's all this other stuff. But if the treaty was established, and, uh, you know, forget that stuff about in pursuance of the law and pursuance of the Constitution. Folks, I used to believe that, too. But uh, before you get really excited about that, read Article 1, Section 8, Clause 18, which means the government can do anything it feels is necessary and proper. And if they do it, they think it's necessary and proper. So you can forget that. But if the president sat down with two senators, let's say that, uh, you know, that uh, he sat down with Lindsey Graham and Dick Durbin. 
and said, okay, here's the policy we want to have. We're going to uh, make a treaty with the United Nations, and the United Nations is going to control, uh, will have all of our land. It will belong to them. They're holding it as collateral for this national debt until we get all this paid off. Your thoughts, Stephen? Until we get it paid off, how? I mean, it's like this is... It's infuriating the more you think about it, how we've just considered property. They, they just think that <clears throat> that we're bugs in their uh, pantry, I believe. That's the attitude these people have toward us. I thought they had stopped spraying today, but one guy was up there spraying. I thought they gave the bug sprayers the day off, but maybe not. I'm sorry. It just – at some point, I don't know. It got too much power. How – and it's been this way, like you point out from the beginning. There's got to be a different way for people to live than, than to, to do this to each other. It just when I look at what's going on at the end of the year, especially places like Gaza and Ukraine and and a few other ones around the world too. But people, I mean, they want to do that. That's the plan for the planet. It seems like as this empire that they become starts to lose then their answer is to just increase more war you know they want it to spread that's insane it's like they can't pay this debt so we're going to take on more debt to pay this debt it it, it makes about as much sense as that <clears throat> well very much so and very eloquently stated there Stephen. but i see it uh, i see people being so drummed into a sense of entertainment to where all they're worried about. I mean, when you can get 80,000 people to show up for a college football game and you can't get 10 people to involve in a healthy, truthful conversation about this country, you know, and we look at it. But that supremacy clause was rewritten by Gouverneur Marsh for a reason because the original supremacy clause had been written by... Uh, you know, none other than Luther Martin. But after Martin left, Gouverneur Morris changed it. Also added Article 1, Section 8, Clause 18, Necessary and Proper Clause. And, you know, if you really look at it, folks, look at that preamble and read it. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, have they formed a more perfect union? Just ask yourself as you looked at each one of those things that they say that Constitution is going to do and ask yourself, did it do it? No, still hasn't. And then the people are going to say, well, if we can just elect the right people, well, for 237 years, you haven't been able to do that. So how long do you think it'll be before you pick up the habit of electing the right people? You know, I think the quote unquote right people have been just ensuring their what did how did what was that phrase their imperial dignity or something over the rest of us this whole time? I forgot Washington exactly how that's. Yeah. yeah, Washington to John Jay, actually, when he said that uh, we have a right to this uh, government uh, under the Articles of Confederation has not imposed its imperial dignity and commanded obedience, and we need a constitution that will give us that kind of authority. And they got it. That's exactly what they got. But here's the thing that most people just can't understand. 1765, this thing really began to be a problem in America. 1765 for nine years to well 10 years to 1775 there was turmoil going on throughout the states the states were revolting 
There's some music. We'll be back on the other side, folks. Support RBN, and thanks for joining in. Some would make him king. Others couldn't stand for that. The cross was a solution. But he rose again. Wise men follow him. But he rose again. Wise men follow him. Thank God for the renegades and the lives they lead. For ahead of their time, without the renegades, Lord knows where we'd be. When it comes to heroes, renegades are mine. Listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Here's some interesting news. Due to all the recent claims about possible nuclear wars, viruses, solar flares, and civil unrest, people are scrambling to prepare and stockpile food. But the one thing out of reach for many is an underground bunker. Until now. Because you can now have a 3D printed underground bunker in just one day. An excavator digs a hole in your backyard, and 3dbunkers.com shows up in a small truck and sets up their 3D printer under a tent completely undetected. They can print as many rooms as you want at a fraction of the cost compared to traditional metal bunkers. 3D Bunkers uses polymer concrete, which is five times stronger than regular cement. YouTube 3DBunkers.com and watch the video. The creators of 3D Bunkers is looking for a business partner that can help bring this technology to the world. And we need to protect our way of life without living in fear. Contact Brad at 3DBunkers.com for more details or visit 3DBunkers.com. Tahibo Tea Club's original pure pouty arco super tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com. Or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-965-9113, drinksupertea.com. Hey there, are you going to wait till the cows come home to get your new ease-off drop and lift? What in the world is an ease-off drop and lift? 
Ari's Off is a new tool to increase production for your meat processing company that will get that whole hog or half a beef on or off your rail with our remote control. That sounds great, but can I afford it? Sure, and the Ease Off installs fast. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue, speed up your line, and increase profits. Okay, I'm convinced. Where can I get my Ease Off? Go to easeoff.com. That's E-A-Z-E-O-F-F dot com. And hurry because we're offering free shipping for a limited time. Easeoff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. Easeoff, LLC, 417-932-6419. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise, from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. Support those that support the network. Support Dixie Republic at DixieRepublic.com. Email ProudSouthern123 at gmail.com and let them know that RBN sent you. I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours. Bullshit pay so I can sit out here and waste my life away. Drag back home and drown my troubles away. It's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me, people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is living in the new world with an Look out for miners, and not just miners on an island somewhere. Lord, we got folks in the street, ain't got nothing to eat, and the whole beast milking welfare. Well, God, if you're five foot three and you're three hundred pounds, taxes ought not to pay for your bags of fudge rounds. Young men are putting themselves six feet in the ground, cause all this damn country does is keep on kicking them down. Lord, it's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me, people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is.
Wanna know what you do And then I don't think you know But I know that you do Cause your dollar ain't shit And it's taxed to no end Cause the rich men Don't the rich men That was good, man. That that song right there, it nothing hit that hit me like nothing since Sam Stone had. Yeah, are, are, are you are you still with us, Mike? Uh, Mike must have dropped off. Yeah, okay. Little, little can you hear me is, now, guys? Oh, there you go. Okay, there thanks, is. Mike. Yes, there we are. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, thanks, guys. Uh, sorry that, but we did need to get that entire song in. And thank you, producer, for doing that. And it means quite a bit. But we have to know from the very beginning that this thing was set up to be a totalitarian government. And that's why I asked people from 1765 to 1775, those people that we call the Sons of Liberty and those, uh, you know, East Enders and West Enders and the other stuff, who were they opposing at that time? Until we understand in this country that those people were opposing the state governments which had been appointed by the king. And when Patrick Henry goes in 1765 and proposes that the people not be taxed to these limits, it's the Burgesses who call him a traitor and yell treason. It wasn't King George and the Parliament. Folks, until you understand that when this country first began to see and first began to come apart because of all the heavy taxation and everything that was happening to them, Shays Rebellion, and I'm going to go into that before too much longer on Substack, because we've been lied to about Shays Rebellion over and over and over again to make it fit the Marxist narrative. So, folks, you can either accept the Marxist narrative or you can look for truth. And I realize the Marxist narrative is going to make you a lot more comfortable. And you can watch a lot more bowl games. Uh, your thoughts, Stephen? Yeah, it's always the simpler, easier way. It's hard to look at the actual truth about what it is and how there's nothing we can quote unquote go back to. We got to find a different way. That's just all there. It, that's what I have come to that conclusion, and and maybe I'm naive to say so, but you know, the more I learn, the more I realize that I don't know, and that the old ways been this way for a long time. That unless something changes, then the same power is going to stay in control. The few are going to control the many. And you know, get to that one point, and that that power. What did you call it? The Lord Acton virus, I think, or whatever. Once you get that. You know that protect me from that. I play the lot. Don't play the lottery because I'm afraid I'd win. Don't give me power. I'm. I, I. I would not want it over somebody else. That. That is not something that I desire. And unless enough people make that decision for themselves, this is going to continue. I guess. That. That's just a sad fact. Very much agree, Richard. Your thoughts, sir. Well, yes, no, that's just it, isn't it, Stephen, Mike? Uh, people don't want to be free because they have too many things they would have to decide upon for themselves. What is the path to take? What 
they think is right and what is wrong. There would be uh, too much uh, decision-making responsibility. And having a uh, nanny state, big brother, is really comforting to people. They're they're happy with their slavery as long as they have their, their bread and circuses, right, their, their, their sports ball. And, and and just a little uh, incentive of false hope, um, you know that 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 things are going to change or that things are have not been this bad all along, as as you remind us, Stephen, that Mr. Gaddy's work here has revealed. But yeah, you know, I know people. Most of them don't want to be free. It it, it certainly would um, require them to make too much too many decisions themselves. Have to think for themselves. And, and and really, yeah, they wouldn't have someone else to shove the blame over to. Well, very much so. And and who, uh, when they created the wonderful uh, political parties, uh, Republican and Democrat, of course, if you will notice, they destroy any other party that begins to gain prominence, just like they used the wonderful Republican Tom Tancredo in Colorado to destroy the Constitution Party. Uh, and uh, he did that and put a Democrat into office in Colorado. Of course, he 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 did what he needed to do, what he would been ordered to do, and that was destroy the, you know, make sure that the Republican didn't win. And he he did a great job of uh, of handling that. Uh, uh, Scorp, you still with us, buddy? Uh, I am indeed. And um, if I could, Mike, I'd like to pose a question to the panel here and to you. Uh, first and foremost, and the question is, what do you think the end game is with this debt? Is it to eventually hand the United States government over to the United Nations in some kind of a, a deal of debt forgiveness? We're going to merge America with a world government and uh, absolve the debt? Or uh, I'd like to ask everyone on the panel, but you first, what do you think the end game is with all this? Well, the end game. Uh, thanks, Dave, uh, for your comments there. The end game, without a doubt, is just to uh, take away everything that the people own, and they've got the uh, perfect program set up for that. You know, if the uh, federal government went in tomorrow, I mean, the state, your local state government, and they're just as corrupt as the federal government. If they get really corrupt, they get put into federal government. But uh, your state government officials. If they were ordered to do so, I promise you that a majority of them would pass a law which would state that you would have to surrender your property to pay for the debt that has accumulated. And, you know, they would go on TV and they would have all their wonderful people on there, including their ministers, going, this is what we have to do to save America. And don't you forget it. This is what we have to do. We all have to tighten our tighten our belts. You know, we have to really suck it up. But let's do it because America is so great. So don't forget, you'll get your property back. If you don't get it, your great, 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 great kids might be able to look at it. But we're going to make this work. And most Americans would say, what time's the game start, honey? Bring me a beer. That's it. Unfortunately, it takes a group of dedicated, intelligent, honest people to have a free country. And we ain't even close. Uh, Stephen, comments, please. 
Yeah, I agree with you that, that we're not close. But, but as far as the, the end game, you know, there's this we I, there's this other thing that happened after the COVID that they put all this money created so a huge amount of all the dollars that ever have. I forgot the percentage now, but it was some ridiculous amount that uh, ballooned everything up and, and, and sent out those payments and stuff. And that the effect of that hasn't been felt yet. I don't think completely there's something that that's coming along with the uh, cancellation of the, uh, the, the debt that he wanted to do the, uh, for the student loans that all I think they're going to keep pumping it up for now if they can that's what they want to do just keep on pumping it up and eventually they'll offer that digital currency as a solution you know you're going to get if you if you will forgive that debt if you'll just accept this new digital fed wallet and, and payment in it and we can control it and you know you, we can control how long you have this this currency and what you spend it on and where and track it and all that if you if you agree to that we'll forgive all that debt i think that's in the, in the end game too that's to, yeah yeah no Stephen. uh if i may pick it up go ahead please yeah. please richard go ahead well i do see that as being the one thing that's near certain that that they'll use this push further toward uh, digital tracking uh, social credit scores as well uh, in conjunction with you know further and further um, exclusivity of, of of digital transactions i mean they there may always be a little trace of a fiat paper currency that exists out in circulation but as long as it gets smaller and smaller i mean you know just like with the influence they have with the corporate media or with the uh you know the big tech big wigs uh uh, Twitter and Facebook, I mean, you know, Twitter, it goes back and forth to try to make you think that there are some gains for truth. But as long as they have the lion's share, they don't care about a bit always trickling out uh, in the outskirts. So, I mean, as, as far as the, the financial system, it's certainly a, a technocracy as, as, as the certain push. David has an interesting a proposition there. I mean, if I were, you know, one of these power whores, uh, power addict uh, whores, perhaps I would like that idea. Yeah, you know, uh, this is how we get one world government. We, we call in the debt and we force one world government, you know, this UN controlled. But no, I mean, perhaps Mr. Gaddy is, is right that, I mean, he doesn't seem to, to really see that as the big future. I mean, what going back uh, before my time, uh, but really early generation X or truth or errors, perhaps uh, David could recall more likely. But I mean, they've been pushing the fear of the blue hats for a very long time. And perhaps it is a distraction as we're further consumed from within. You know, uh, these Talmudic communist forces who've taken control uh, and want to see the end of our culture and, you know, white Western civilization in America, you know, in the heritage stock. So, you know, keep fearing that um, foreign invader, you know, with the blue helmet, you know, those UN troops. And until that time, or until they literally say they're going to try to confiscate all we weapons, 
uh, in the country, one or the other. And, and as long as one of those two things don't happen, just sit, stay in your easy chair uh, with your prepper gear and don't make a move yet. And, you know, in the meantime, we just completely, um, you know, deteriorate through being uh, cannibalized further and further as a nation. Hey, well hey, said, hey, Richard. Me- Go ahead, can go ahead, I, Stephen. Can I point Please. out that also in places like Australia, especially already, they're going around picking people up and taking them in a COVID taxi to a place where they have to pay for their stay while they're quarantined. I mean, they went and did that to – they have reached that level of tyranny. So, you know, what blue hat's going to do worse than that to them? You know, well, uh, you know that, that just – you know, that's happening. That They would allow – Canada has been th- under such – uh, severe lockdowns too i mean we forget how people cowed a lot well, Stephen, how they go ahead mike please, yeah. please uh, pardon me for interrupting but please don't forget that the state of new york and their governor has implemented the same plan as australia they can put you in a quarantine prison at their discretion and you have no recourse don't forget that go ahead sir i'm sorry well there you go so what you know the blue hats hats are going to be worse than that you know, that's there you go. Exactly, Mike. Thank you. That's but that's exactly what I'm trying to say. Yeah, we're already there. Oh, big time. I think uh, Dave uh, Scorpio, you with us, buddy? Yeah, well, and I, I don't think the, the blue hats or the United Nations troops has the manpower to pull off anything along those lines. But going back to your comments about the state governments, Mike, being corrupt, I recall uh, when Jesse Ventura uh, was done with his governorship of Minnesota. He claimed that when he first got into office, he was visited by two guys with military haircuts and dark suits and sunglasses that pretty much told him, um, you're going to do what we say if you know what's good for you, uh, to kind of boil it all down. And that's the claim that he said that all governors get a visit along those lines when they first get into office. Well, Dave, you know, ironically, and, uh, you know, I really appreciate the fact I actually got to meet uh, L. Fletcher Prouty uh, back in my days uh, when I was in the D.C. area in the early to mid-80s. And I remember him saying almost the exact same thing. He said that when a newly elected president is brought in to be briefed about foreign affairs after they've been elected, that they sit in a room and down at the end of the, down at the, end of the table for these people who are briefing, at the end of the table, there is a picture of JFK, RFK, and MLK. They're never mentioned during the process, according to Fletch Prouty. Those names, those pictures are never mentioned, but they're there. And the message, as he said before, the message is absolutely clear to the people. Here's what happens if you don't follow our plan. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, um, you know, legend has it, according to some sources that are fairly credible, that Jimmy Carter basically, uh, after that briefing, put his hands over his face and started crying uh, from what he was told during those briefings. Well, I certainly wouldn't be surprised. Uh, uh, Richard, any uh, comment there, sir? Oh, well, just that it's very conceivable. Uh, to me, it, it doesn't surprise me that that would be the case. I mean, I've, I've heard similar suggestions that, you know, they're shown, well, footage 
uh, revealing the uh, you know the actual means of the uh, JFK assassination. But yeah, basically confirming that they'll take out anyone who doesn't play ball, and you know you you, you don't really have the power you think. Certainly in uh, the case of of one of these Kennedys, knowing they're they've had family who were made examples of it would be particularly traumatic but it i mean it's kind of naive for us to think that things are done any differently uh, quite frankly uh, i don't know i suppose it depends on what you've been growing up exposed to and when you grew up but uh, yeah it's certainly clear uh, with everything i've uh, seen and heard testimony from including from you gentlemen just how 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 dire things have been all along okay here comes the music guys we'll be back on the flip side support rbn please folks please do so we'll see you on the flip side we don't burn our draft cards down on main street we like living right being free we don't make party out of loving we like holding hands and pitching We don't let our hair grow long and shaggy Like the hippies out in San Francisco do And I'm proud to be an Okie from Muskogee Place where even squares can have a hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs. For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. 
However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. Are you ready to take back your health? You can try hemp paste for the price of a cup of coffee. Hemppaste.com slash RBN. Free shipping on orders over $50. See the banners for Hemp Paste at republicbroadcasting.org and visit hemppaste.com slash RBN. You're listening to Real Talk Radio. Only on the Republic Broadcasting Network. 